Awake the Tribe podcast tells the intimate and personal stories of everyday people who are doing the hard work of transmuting their familiar programming, societal expectations, generational traumas, colonization mindsets, and patriarchy perspectives. These are the inspiring and celebratory stories of the brave, true, and awake. Hi, welcome to Awake the Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Rhoda Tadoran. Today we have Avi Sherville with us. And Avi, do you want to explain all about what you're about and what your offerings are and so forth? Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And in terms of what I do and what I offer, I'm a sound bath practitioner and I also work a lot with people one-on-one in a spiritual detox program that I offer called U100. And so I have offerings in terms of classes that I do mostly virtual uh, right now, um, twice a week. And I'll theme things along um, trauma, um, kind of healing our inner child or talking about relationship detox and which is really the relationship with ourselves at the end of the day. And I will do that as well as these one-on-one programs that kind of go and do the deeper work, which as we know is layered and has a lot of components to it. And so that is why I like to work one-on-one with just like a handful of people at a time and uh, that is, that is the gist of, of what I'm doing these days. I've only been to one of your sound bath, but mm-hmm. it was really phenomenal. I just have to say I was completely relaxed. Um, I did that inner child journey and within, and it was really connected. Oh, uh, hi. <laughs> I have a little visitor. And I, just, I also wanted to say that we connected through Instagram and you being a new father and me being a mom. That was really cool to connect with you with conscious parenting and just the crazy beginnings of what parenting is. Is there anything you want to say about being a new dad? Uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 there is something that you wrote to me that I, I think I had mentioned to you once, but it, it stuck with me in saying it is the quickest path to enlightenment. Yes. And quickest, deepest path. Quickest, I always say it's really, really steep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's nothing that I've done that has been abandoning myself more than these last eight months and then the nine months of pregnancy were also pretty uh tumultuous and intense (laughs) and like a lot of change a lot of hormones a lot of things just kind of coming up um and reflecting back on me like how am i showing up you know uh as a person this feeling is in being a parent now and also being as conscious as I can be about my role in this world and taking care of being a caretaker for this newborn, for this sweet baby. Like it makes me like cry almost just like the, you know, she's just so tiny and she's, uh, you know, I think she's like soft 
I think she's softer than she really is. She's actually like a hard, like, you know, she's malleable and she can like bounce around. Um, but she needs a lot of love. And I think navigating what it means to be like a conscious parent to me, uh, which is for me letting go of a lot of these constructs that I had uh, grown up with and seen and almost like programmed into of this is what you do. And these are the things that you give a baby. And this is how, um, you know, this is this, this is the schooling that they'll go to and all of these different things, honestly, has been the greatest awakening for me is that I feel like a lot of what is going on in the world and, and my relationship with becoming a parent is the foundation is a lie in a lot of ways. And, and it is built on a faulty premise. And so navigating that, it's like, okay, a lot of this is, is not what it seems to be. And I need to like use my intuition and use that kind of like sacred energy of that spirit guide almost like continually kind of flowing through me in a subtle or not so subtle way to navigate what is best for my baby. And that goes against a lot of what I'm being told by my family, by my society, um, by just the culture at large. And so in doing that, I have just come into a deeper knowledge of who I am. I love that. That's so beautiful. I think it's such a rewarding journey to be a parent, but you've really taken on board all the things that you need to do in order to be the best parent that you can be. Do yeah. you find yourself seeing yourself as a child when you see your baby? Like, can you connect more with your inner child? Through her eyes, I suppose. Mm -hmm. There is definitely a newness and a freshness in how she looks at everything that I have uh, forgotten in a way, or I've just gotten so accustomed to my life in a certain way that, you know, I need these modalities and I need to do this, these uh, different practices to tune in, whereas she wakes up and she's tuned in, you know? Yes. She's present, like she's there, you right. know? Right. And so seeing that is like, um, you know, one of uh, the teachers of mine was talking to me of how a baby never slouches over. Their position is always straight. And that is, and that is a learned position to kind of slouch over, um, to make yourself small, um, whereas a baby, their back, even when they're bent over, their back is always straight. And I think, you know, the fear, the doubt, the stress, the anger all comes in and slowly our body starts to kind of morph into that. And so I see that with the baby and she's just so present. There's no agenda. Um, I mean, maybe the agenda is food and to be fed um, and to be changed and to be held, but um, there's no like alternative, you know, there's nothing there other than being in the moment. So that has been a huge lesson of being present. Yeah, being present. And I find too, that you have to, your intuition just switches on when you become a parent. 
And that's a really beautiful thing too, because you talk about not her waking up with no filters and no concepts and constructs that we put on or have been put on us by society and all these other systems in our world. And when you are forced to communicate with a baby that isn't communicating verbally, there's so much that happens between a parent and a child where you're switched on in such a new way. And and I'm sure you probably get this when, as a healer, you know, when you're in sessions with people, that intuition, it's almost the same type of intuition, I find, that you're so connected with someone or a group of people that you're feeling and understanding things on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think kind of, I've always been very intuitive, but I think when I was younger, that translated to being more impulsive. And so I wouldn't, it wasn't really trusting myself so much as just kind of uh, like a switch going off. And I would just kind of uh, like move with that. And so being less impulsive these days and tuning more into that, that wisdom, that like gut wisdom, that like gut brain almost um, has been wild and like my heart being turned on in this way where it's like, I mean, I know it's talked about, but it just feels uniquely my own when it's happening is like just looking at her and, and like, you know, being with her and like thinking about her when I'm gone is like, I, I just, I don't know. I haven't felt that like whatever that is um, in terms of, just being with somebody where you're like bringing her into the world and then, and then always thinking about her, like always wanting the best for it, for them. And yeah. so um, with that, you just kind of like you, you get out of the f- frame a little, you know, and it's, it's, that's, that's its own dance also. Yeah, it's it's a crazy, beautiful, fun dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's go back to, you mentioned your childhood impulses. Um, can you expand a little bit in terms of how you came about transcending some of the things that have been put upon you system, systematically, society-wise, and, and mm. all that, and how you found yourself awakening or have gotten to a state where you understand there's a deeper level to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think, well, I'll give you an example of a way that it kind of came up and, and, and this is something that had me confronting my own childhood in real time, which was I do a sound bath and beforehand uh, my partner, Candace, her parents live nearby. And so I obviously can't have the baby around while we're doing the sound bath. And so we drop her off at her, her parents. And then afterwards we come pick her up. And I was going to pick up uh, the baby. And I was also carrying some queso that 
her sister had given to us, whatever, and um, putting the baby in the car seat. And I also dropped the glass jar of queso. And it is nothing really, right? Just dropping a glass jar, it broke. But my reaction to it was out of proportion of what it was. And I got really angry. And I kind of like, you know, let out like, you know, sort of thing. And um, I think I even like cursed a little. And so in that moment, that is my own childhood playing out in real time, right? And that is all I grew up around was the reaction to everything was screaming, was yelling. Um, It was very unnerving, felt like very uncomfortable whenever I was in my house. And so this idea of, and my partner even said it to me, is like, I feel so bad when I see you react like that. Mm. You know, she said, because, you know, no one is even getting mad at you. And you're not a bad person. But my reaction to it is I'm like beating myself up for this, like I'm dropping a jar. And it's like my childhood self is like thinking I'm about to be screamed at or I'm, I messed up. And so there's this part of me that hasn't been healed, you know? Yeah. And, and that played out in a lot of different ways, like over my teenage years, over my 20s, over my early 30s. It's just been this ongoing awakening. And I think uh, awakening to uh, a lot of how our society sees it is, I have a problem, I take this thing and I fix it, right? It's not healing at all. You know, we're fixing things, you know, we're curing things. And so I'm depressed and I take this and I'm not as depressed or I'm sort of like leveled, you know, or I'm anxious and I take this thing or, you know, I numb out in this way or do that. And so I took that on uh, in my teenage years of, so just to go back, I grew up, in an Orthodox Jewish household. My dad is a rabbi um, and he was the leader of this community in, you know, the Northwest suburbs in Chicago. And there was this identity on the surface that my dad is a leader and he is this spiritual leader, in fact, you know, but in the house, it was very chaotic, very disruptive a lot of abuse verbally, physically. And so it was this disconnect between seeing how he was on the outside and then seeing how he was on the inside. And so I couldn't uh, really feel comfortable and I felt like there was a lot of duality and hypocrisy. And I then internalized that, you know? something I was even talking about with somebody who I work with was their mom was always depressed. And as kids, what do you know? They're depressed too. Right. But they think they're actually depressed, but they're not. It's just that their mom's depressed and they don't really have an identity of their own at that time. And so they adopt and mirror the parent. And so they're just kind of meh in their own life. And it takes this whole lifetime in a way to realize these, these character traits and our personalities aren't even our own. They're like 
unhealed trauma that we've gone through and then we identify with it and think it's who we are. <clears throat> so grew up very religious, saw a lot of hypocrisy in my house and also within the school system that I was in, it was uh, like a Jewish Orthodox school system. And there was rabbis who were uh, molesting, sexually abusing kids. There was some like really crazy stuff going on. And I mean, there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of amazing teachings and a lot of wisdom and a lot of depth. Um, but there was also that. And so it was just this constant, like really deep, teachings of Torah, of these ancient, you know, scrolls. And at the same time, the, the, the teachers or, or the guides were, a lot of them were corrupted by their own personal demons or, or what, whatever you want to call it. And so I saw this growing up and I, I was very religious. And then at a certain point in my teenage years, I just kind of shifted gears, especially after uh, some of these rabbis had been sexually abusing friends of mine. I think unknowingly at the time, I just kind of uh, got burnt out by it. And, and so I turned to these different things, you know, I turned to music and that was my passion for a long time. And then shortly thereafter, I like uh, I encountered drugs and had a really kind of like playful interaction with them for, for some years. And then it really took a turn in, in my late 20s. And, you know, I could go into that at, at, at another point. But eventually I had to wake up to the fact that my life was my responsibility, you know, and these things did happen to me. But how did I want to live and how did I want to carry myself in this world? And thank God I, I had the, the gift of being given certain guides, certain teachers who were able to just kind of move me in, in this way that I, I suddenly reflected what I was doing and suddenly woke me up to how I was. And I would say over the last four Four and a half years, I've just been on this journey away from uh, my old work doing music, which was also mixed in with a lot of drug use. And for a couple of years, just nothing at all. It was just drug addiction and, and was living, you know, on the street in, in downtown. And when I did kind of wake up, it was through healing. Anybody who's done this work knows this is this is a lifetime of work, you know? And, and so being able to just have moved away from that and found healing through sound, through breath, uh, through certain literature, through certain teachers over a period of time, you know, I like went from these different awakenings, you know, of this is how I don't want my life. How do I want my life? okay, I need to take these small steps and these small steps and these small steps. And, you know, for a period of time, I was working in a detox, occasionally doing sound baths, you know, and that was my life for, for a little bit of time. And then I woke up to the idea of I'm going to have a baby. I can't be working in a detox uh, for 12 hours a day. And, you know, 
when I knew that we were having a baby, certain things just kick in, you know? And, and I was like, okay, I need to shift gears. And I woke up to the fact of, I want to be my own, uh, I want to determine my schedule and my income. And when you need to make things happen, things have a way of happening, you know, and, and manifesting. And I was deeply in alignment at that time after a lot of work. So uh, my awakening has been slow and, and it has been um, not such a clear, clear path. Uh, but, but uh, I'm astonished kind of by where I'm at now to where I was seven, eight, nine years ago. Wow. Firstly, I just want to say I am so honored to be hearing your story and for you to be sharing it this way with me. And I'm, I'm feeling a little teary, to be honest with you, because I just think it's just so beautiful that there's all these angels that come to us by way of wisdom and teachings and how magical kind of life unfolds for us and also when we set our mind like you said to do and have certain things they just magically happen not without yeah. hard work but yeah. <laughs> it does happen once you set your mind to it but i just think that you're you're amazing <laughs> you know and i'm really grateful that you've taken the time to share these stories because I know there are a lot of people who are going through similar things or have gone through similar things. And it gets tiresome sometimes to have to go through seeing your shadow again and again. Mm. And, you know, just to expand a little bit on what you said earlier, when you got angry, how does that, for someone who's listening in and has, is going through or has a, a similar coping mechanism, for lack of a better term, how would you deal with that? How do you process something like that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of when we say the work, you know, like the work yeah. that we're doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Very big umbrella, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so a lot of this is just kind of, showing us who we are, you know, and, and, you know, like a common theme of not judging ourselves, but observing, you know, what is happening and catching it and adjusting it. And so there is that raising awareness that is huge that, okay, I have this in me, right. And then I felt like the next stage of things of, of doing the work on that was seeing that it wasn't mine right? And letting go of that blame, uh, even though I still act on it, because it's, it's such an old pattern. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for decades. I've been seeing it since I was four, you know, three. I felt it in the womb, you know? And so how do I unwind out of that old pattern? And then create boundaries with myself in a way where I need to see, you know, what I need to do to make sure that these things don't happen. Um, 
And then if they do, it's also, again, it's, it's not judging myself because this is something that has been going on for years and years. But as it plays out, I have a tendency to, um, you know, like my dad was, you know, what they would call like a NPD, like narcissistic personality disorder. And so one of the ways that plays out for the kids, you know, is that they're never feeling secure in their own choices and they never feel safe in their own environments because the shoe, you know, the shoe's about to drop and, and things are about to um, unravel and you're always in fight or flight. And even if you're sitting down, you know, even if you're at the beach and you're reading a book, it's like something will happen and you can't even enjoy that moment. Mm-hmm. Even though you're years separated from that time and there's nobody there from that environment, but it's still playing out in your life. Like you can't even enjoy your own existence from moment to moment. Right. And I think it has to you have to make these like radical shifts, you know, but again, it's like inch by inch, but I think first catching it that I do it, you know, like I said, I, you know, I'm about to be, you know, in a couple of months, uh, four years sober from drugs. So when that occurred, I had a hard time distinguishing between, uh, like when I first got sober of, okay, I'm like learning how to operate without drugs and learning how to deal with life, uh, just basic things. And those basic things would overwhelm me, you know? And so then I would slowly kind of rehabilitate myself in terms of getting an apartment, um, starting to work off debt and starting to pay court fees and all these things that occurred during that time. And then over a period of two years, I slowly did that. I, you know, met who I'm with right now, the mother of of our child. And that's when a lot of the stuff started coming up for me. Uh, A lot of my triggers. I think even if you're with that twin flame, you're going to be triggered, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was our 10 year anniversary with my husband yesterday. And we are just talk about (laughs) mirrors, right? You're just like, (laughs) (laughs) perfectly being shown exactly where you still need to do some work yeah not easy (laughs) (laughs) but i think that's the beautiful thing about love right like you have connected with this person and you feel safer than you have in your childhood and so you're allowed to some degree to feel the things that you were afraid to feel and really dive into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I struggle with even, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to do things to be loved, you know, and that I need to work more. I need to be with the baby more. I need to do all of these things to prove that I can be loved, that I'm worthy of love. Uh, as opposed to this idea that I myself am love. And so anything that's going to come into my path will be that, you know? Yeah. But when you're dealing with, I have to be here at four and we have to drop the kid off and we have to do these things, you know, that high-minded concept 
kind of like disappears. Yeah. You know, in that like shadow uh, five-year-old me that didn't get nurtured is suddenly, you know, appearing. And so I think right now, to be completely honest, I'm really at the stage and I feel like I have been for the last year is that I'm just becoming aware of it and I have been having a hard time shifting it into something that isn't anger and that isn't uh, fear and learning how to deal with it properly. I feel like I would be saying a lie if I said I have this uh, way that I that I fix it because I do it a lot. I mean, you know, and that's 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 what it is. I don't think um, something that I didn't like growing up and that I sometimes see in the healing space is this idea that we have um, surpassed all like the earthly realms, you know, and and existing in this. Uh, unique space where nothing uh, affects us, you know? And the truth is what I'm saying to people a lot is what I need to do myself, you know, is my own learning, you know? And so there are these things that are, um, there's something transcendent in the disguise of fear and my stress. You know, there's, there's this like thing that I can transcend through that. I, I have not gotten there yet. Yeah, but you're working. You're working towards it. <laughs> Work, working on it every day. Yeah. Working on it every day. And I've like, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in therapy about it. And I talk it out all of the time afterwards with my partner. And I just kind of move past my current state a little bit and kind of get out of my own way. And I, I say, this isn't, you know, anything about you. I love you these are like these old things that like keep coming up and it doesn't seem in proportion to like what's going on, but it, these are things that have been occurring within me for a really long time. And so I've been starting to get some tools with these exact things because that th this has been my deep work, I think in the last year or so, mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot on my plate in terms of, uh, in terms of just workload and, and navigating that as well as, as well as the, the baby and making sure I'm stable. And, and so within that, these things that have been coming up is, is this anger that I witness every day growing up uh, in my own childhood and is that reactive state, you know? And so... I have been good with with people in a lot of senses, um, but when it comes to these like small incidents within my own relationship, I struggle with, you know, and I'm aware of it and I'm, you know, continually working towards it. Yeah, and I think that that's an important thing to get across to listeners is that you don't just you're not woke and then that's it. It's not a state that you get to and that's it. It's yeah. a continual thing and it's working at it every day and it does pay off because look at the beautiful life you've created with a baby and your partner supporting you and doing what you love and you're helping people. Yeah. It's such a beautiful life you've created with all that, you know, little by little you've gotten there. 
Yeah, and and so that path even has been, for instance, like with the work, uh, one of the things that I had to work on is I don't, I didn't value myself enough. And so I was working at that detox and I was kind of in the space of, yeah, I, I, I didn't value myself properly. And then when I started to think and sort of shift my mind into a state of abundance, which I feel like was a lot of the work that I was doing a couple of years ago, because again, that is these things that happened to me where I, there was always a scarcity mindset, always a lack, low energy um, mind mindset. So I adopted that again as my own, you know, and I didn't see myself as having great value. And I thought, uh, you know, I had low self-worth and, you know, um, everything would kind of, um, kind of prove that to be true. That came up for me a lot, like three years ago, and then slowly getting the work and then slowly finding value in myself and kind of just almost like visualizing this abundance, kind of like placing myself in that frequency of abundance of this is, it isn't even like what I want to do financially. Like that's a byproduct of the purpose is that the, the happiness is almost a byproduct of that. You know, the helping people is also a byproduct, you know, all of these things are a byproduct of just kind of like deeply connecting to who I am energy like on an energetic level yeah. and, and communicating that energy to other people. And in that, I realized, wow, there is a lot of worth. There's a lot of value in that. And so I stopped settling for, for a lot of things and, and overextending myself, going here and going there for free and because I love it. And suddenly I was finding myself in better situations financially. I was finding myself able to do deeper work with people. And all of these things came about because I was in a state of abundance, you know? And so that was something I had to work on. And I feel like now in the last year, kind of going back to the question is, I'm dealing with how I react to things, you know? And, and how I am with, with my own anger and how I am with my own triggers of stress. I love that. I always say that my only job is to align myself because ev everything stems from that. Once I'm aligned, centered, however you want to call it, just deeply connected to myself and everything around me in terms of divineness. Yeah. It, Everything yeah. just flows. You know what you need to do. It feels so good. Yeah. Nothing else you need to do. You're almost filled up. And so in that filling up, you're able to give. You're able, it overflows to other people and the things that you do. Can, can I ask you what you do when you're being shown a mirror of yourself? Oh, I lean into it. That's my thing. I always call it like a fire purification, maybe because I'm an Aries. The way that I see it is I'm manifesting that in some way. It's my own fire being shown to me. And it's there to clear out the debris. It's there to clear out all the added stuff that has been put on me or I put on myself, whether I knew it or not. I just lean into it. And usually 
I have a release, like an emotional release from it. Mm. And also a teaching that comes out of it, like something that I've learned from it. That's another thing that I do is I question. I like Byron Katie's work because she flips it. Like if you have a complaint, like why do I always drop things or whatever? In this instance, you could flip it and think, what is this teaching me? What is dropping this jar teaching me right now? What do I need to look at? Mm -hmm. And then it's also getting in your body. Like, that's why I love your sound baths too, is like our body is such a teacher. A lot of spiritual teaching, as you've mentioned, is it's almost like spiritual bypassing because you're supposed to let ego's no good. Don't have an ego. Like you're just supposed to be this Buddha, but it doesn't work that way, I think. I think that we're here with bodies and we're here with traumas and we're here to do something about it. And it's almost like fertilizer, you know, and when I lean into it, when I accept myself and love myself more, that's another thing too, is like really embracing my inner child. Like I'll literally hug myself and be like, it's okay. You know, I love you. Like, it's all right. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. When I do that, it, it just resets everything. Yeah. I love that. And you're also touching on something that I actually, now that I'm thinking about, I have been doing. And I think I I heard about this. I forget. I've been doing a couple courses with Anthony Abagnano, who's like a conscious breath teacher. But I also heard, I think, something like this from Gay and Katie Hendricks, who are also... Yeah, yeah, and I I was doing a course of theirs over like quarantine. And first off, they were talking about that exact thing of kind of holding your space, Mm -hmm. becoming aware of your container. And I think also like how we do kind of come out of our body with a lot of these experiences and noticing where do I feel less tension in my body um, and where do I feel comfortable in my body in that moment. And then you kind of tune back into that similar to like tuning back into the breath. Yes. Uh, but this other, uh, idea that was talked about is, you know, sometimes these, we see these things and kind of like what you're talking about, spiritual bypassing of, uh, remove the ego and all of these ideas that these concepts can almost become screens instead of windows. Yes. Right. And so they can almost like keep out certain, certain things that are actually like the energy that needs to come through it, you know? Right. And so for me, this idea of that I, that I have been using is called, I forget like where I, where I got it from, um, but is reality testing. And so, you know, there's a million realities that we can live in, right? There is the reality of fear. There, there is the reality of, um, of love, all these different spaces and all these different realities, but tuning into, let's say, just kind of going back to this glass jar incident where I drop the glass jar, I get angry, you know, I kind of let out a sound, a curse, and, and that comes up for me. 
And so then looking at the reality of the situation in terms of what are my thoughts about it? What are my beliefs about it? What are my, how am I emotionally reacting to it? And then what is the true nature of the incident, right? So the way I, I was thinking about it uh, last night even was the incident was I dropped the glass jar. But my thought on it is... I did something bad, right? And so I messed up. And so my emotion of that is is frustration. And my belief is that I always do these things, right? This isn't the high-minded, but in that moment of where I went is I always do these things. These things always happen, right? Right. And so pushing against that of saying, what is the, what is the reality of it? Is that a jar broke? Yeah, right? that's it. That's it. You know, and everything else I'm just identifying with. Yeah. Early on in my awakening journey, I did the Landmark Forum, which is like a three-day course that people do. I don't know if you've heard of it. But in that, my takeaway was, is that reality has no stories. The jar fell. That's it. (laughs) No stories, no, you know, conclusions about who you are because the jar fell. It just fell. It's amazing when you start meditating and getting into that space where you're separating your thoughts and you're identifying less with these thoughts. Yeah. And then you start identifying less with other things. That's the room to breathe. That's the breath of fresh air that we all need but don't always get. Yeah, and I, I, I was thinking about this too last night because somebody commented in the sound bath talking about how they've been in pain in their body so much lately. Um, and that just kind of drifted out of their body during the sound bath. And I was thinking, like, what, what is that exactly, right? You know, it's almost like ineffable. Like, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words. Right. Like, what... Like, you know, I could say like, and the frequency is putting her in this brainwave state and, you know, I could explain it, but that that personal connection um, to themselves, you know, it like can't really be touched on or expressed in words. Yeah. You know, and so it's almost like you're her, that person connecting with their true nature in that moment and the pain was not being in their true nature, right? They were attaching to these different things going on and these different pains, whether mentally, emotionally, physically, and they let go of that. And suddenly the pain is gone, you know? Right. It's almost like you're holding on to something without knowing that you're holding on to it. And then when you relax, you're like, oh, why was I holding that heavy thing? You forget you're holding something because your body's so used to holding it. And, you know, as a breathwork facilitator, I think that 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 happens too in my work where when you're breathing consciously and all those things, those difficult feelings and emotions and physical feelings come up and you're relaxing at the same time, you're laying down or you're contracting and then relaxing, it's almost like 
you're remembering, oh, I'm holding on to this thing. Why am I holding on to it? Oh, I can let it go. So it's an opportunity to remember and, and also let go. What was your journey in terms of before getting into the breath, breath works? And like, what was your transition from what you were doing before then? Oh, it's a long story. And one of my episodes is actually on it. <laughs> so yeah. you'll have to listen to yeah. it. It's a long one. <laughs> I'll be putting it up soon. Yeah, I mean, just to like, kind of wrap it up if you want to head to the next question. But it's like, again, it's, it's moving away from the wording and, and the idea of it and almost that it even is a psychological state. Yes. You know, and it's, it's tuning into that. It's why I feel like every, or like not everybody, but so many people are tuning into this space of not just I'm doing yoga, you know, and I'm going to like be fit. And it also, there is a spiritual element, but like doing the really deeper work in terms of like sitting with yourself, you know, and if that is breathing or if it is sound or if it is just in silence in a meditative state it is less about a state and more about this 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 mystery of like beyond things you know beyond ideas beyond like i am avi and these things happen to me and i live in this zip code and i pay gas bill you know it's like it's like that that kind of em- that's why i feel like a lot of people get feel empty you know is is because they're identifying so deeply with these states and these things and, you know, these ideas and, and all of those things that aren't the true nature of things, you know? And so I think it's been, you know, talked about to a degree that it's lost its meaning, but energy is just this, it's this place. It's kind of like what you're saying about this reality it's like nothing is you know it it's just moving it's like you can't even put it into words and that's when i feel like what that's what i felt when i started doing breath when i started doing sound is like is like whoa you know you know and 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 a lot of people uh when i started doing i was doing it a lot in treatment centers so there's a lot of people who have coming out of drug addiction and they like a lot of people in different ways will talk about how oh it's like i'm it's like i was on drugs but i'm like not on drugs and that is like your true nature in that psychedelic state of you yes absolutely so when i started doing the breathwork facilitator training which was a year long i lived in sydney at the time in australia and yeah and i was it was um before that i was partying a lot and i did take a lot of ecstasy mm. But after I started doing breath work, you get in such blissful states that you would get when you're on ecstasy. So you are feeling love and oneness and food tasted better. And like the world was brighter and more colorful, like everything was the way that it should be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I imagine that's what a baby experiences, you know? Yeah. It's the intensity of life without all that stuff. Um, And so afterwards, I remember taking ecstasy again after I had already had an experience outside of having done it chemically with a drug. And it didn't, it was gross. Like it didn't feel good. 
it just felt so artificial, like the high itself felt artificial and I couldn't even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. You don't, and that's what I love about breath work is you, you don't need anything. It's not like plant medicine. It's just you. It's just your breath. It's just what you do every day. Wow. I really do want to hear this episode though about your journey too. <laughs> it's a pretty crazy one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's also, I, f- I feel like something that I also struggle with is I do have those moments where I'm like, Oh, I like, you know, I want to return to drugs like in these, in these, it's, it's, it's seldom, you know, and it's not uh, as much as it was years ago, but I do have those moments and very random, like I'll be taking out the garbage and I'll think about it. It's almost like anything that I brings on responsibility. My reaction to it for years was like to do drugs. And so more responsibility, uh, let me like avoid that, you know? Right. And so, uh, so that comes up for me sometimes. And there's this, it's like on Instagram, I forget what it was, but it was, uh, it was like a post on evolve so hard that people have to get to know you again. Mm. And I feel like that can also probably occurred for you with taking ecstasy again after doing this breathworks training is you almost, when you start to evolve, you have to like get to know yourself again. Yeah. And a part of my brain is like, oh yeah, Avi, go do drugs because that's what you do, you know? And Avi, uh, you know, there's part of me that says, uh, this won't work out long-term, you know, because that's, that's what your past has, has dictated. And it's almost like getting to know this new part of you that, oh, I don't need that. I have like this new way of existing where that doesn't even serve me like it used to, you know? Like Ramdas talks about giving LSD to his teacher and he didn't experience anything. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, and, and because he was so in that state. Mm-hmm. He's like, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the actual roots of breath work, actually. Stanislav Grof, at least one form of it. He used LSD to get people into those deeper, out of ordinary states. And when LSD was no longer legal, he had to find different ways. So he looked to Eastern religions and practices. And that's how he came upon breath work. Hmm. Wow. Speaking of modalities, is there, I mean, besides, I know that you're, you do sound baths. So is there any like other wisdom that you want to recommend to people like books or teachings or anything like that? So an interesting journey for me has also been reconnecting with the mystical tradition of Kabbalah and things that I used to be very interested in and steeped in when I was younger and I turned away from because of just things that had occurred and it put a bad taste in my mouth. And this really healing journey has been, you know, they say in in the Talmud, like when I, you know, growing up, they would say one of the signs of true uh, tuva of repentance is when you 
are able to return to the same place that you had sinned, but you feel nothing in. Wow. I've got chills just now hearing yeah. that. That's and, beautiful. And so I think for my own journey, I had to uh, remove a lot of these associations that I had and and kind of come to this deeper understanding of, of what it is, you know. And so some of these texts that I have really been getting into, especially this, I mean, this is pretty obscure and like you can't, I, I think you can get it translated, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's rather expensive, but it's this teacher, uh, Ab- Abram Abu Lafia, and he was in the 11th century and he combined a lot of uh, actually like some Sikh traditions as well as he was in Italy also where there was, um, and, and, and I believe Spain and uh, coastal regions of Israel, where there was a lot of mystical traditions going on, you know? And I mean, take away these from these stories, like what you will about people flying and, and people literally like transporting uh, themselves from one state to another, you know, it's, it's, these stories occur in different traditions, you know? And so one of the main things that I've gone out of it, and he actually does a lot of interesting breath techniques that are like one of his associates said he went mad from, which he says the name of God backwards and forwards while taking in breath and, and moving the head in certain directions. Apparently like it bring it brought him to this, awareness of God to the point where he went mad from. Yeah. And so he has really kind of esoteric teachings, but then he has very grounded teachings uh, uh, talking about, I don't know, there's a little off tangent, but it's, it's different levels of our souls so that we have these different levels in terms of our animal soul and then our body soul and these different souls as we kind of it's it almost mirrors chakras you know to a t and so tuning into that sort of space for me has been really beautiful because that has been a space probably a thousand years ago my ancestors were reading these books mm-hmm. or reading these teachings and so it's almost like this warm blanket when i'm like reading these things it like it nourishes this part of me that I have found to um, that like when I read other things just don't really touch on as much. It's like interesting, but I'm not profoundly like internally feeling this connectedness to things. So I've been reading that, that specific book, Chaya Olam Haba, uh, The Life of the World to Come by this teacher, Abraham Abu Lafia. And so one of the things that I've come upon that I feel like is really lost in our culture is this idea of, of devotion and, and specifically in like a spiritual sense, you know? And so that has kind of been this thing I've been getting out of, out of that, which is really devoting yourself in this way that, you know, it's kind of like when I watched that documentary on Osho, it's like they turn it into like, it's a crazy cult, you know? But Osho was an amazing teacher. Yes. Like, what? Yeah, I agree. I would have been in that cult. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> I yeah. saw it in a, through a totally different lens. I was like, yeah, yeah I would have been in there if, if I was alive then. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, touching on the Osho thing, because uh, Osho has a great book on intimacy that I've uh, really been into also. And just love his, what I've read and his videos are amazing. But it's interesting in that documentary is it's like the people who are in that group, there is such a vibrant glow to them, Yes, you know, and yeah. there's, there's like they seem so, so alive in their aliveness, you know. And so all of these things being said, I mean, granted, there seems to have been some very weird things that occurred right. and that happens in everywhere. Yeah, yeah granted and that was the focus because it's more dramatic and sells whatnot but uh the people who were devoted to osho it reminds me of when i read this teacher people would travel with their teacher wherever they went even though they had families i mean that was what people did people traveled with their teacher they were devoted to their teacher and they saw life through the lens of their teacher that is a concept that I don't feel like I have really fully tuned into, but I think finding some guide, some teacher that resonates deeply with you and in your own way, I think like devoting yourself completely to that space is something that I think is almost frowned upon in our time that I think is it's like one of the only ways to go through stuff, you know, and these guides at whatever level have been really profound for me and tuning me into also, I started praying in the form that they talk about, which is called Hidbodadut, which is a sort of meditation that you do out in nature. And it is just communicating very freely. There's no Sometimes like when I was studying sound kundalini, it's like very neurotic, you know, and I feel like plays into people's neuroses a lot. It's, it's like, you, you know, must I, do this step and this step and then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even Yogi Bhajan, you've heard, we've heard all this stuff about, you know, and not to minimize his amazing teachings, but again, similar thing. Right, right. And so... I, I, that, especially growing up very religious, it, I don't, uh, it doesn't speak to me. That's how I grew up, it was very rigid. It was very letters and you say these letters in this way and you hold your hands in this way. And only then can you access that space of da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And so when I was getting into sound, you know, this idea of I have to know all these different deities and these different positions, it's like, I, I barely know who I am. You know, I'm not, I'm not tuning into that. And so that didn't speak to me. And I know it's spoken to a lot of people. But this form of meditation that really did speak to me is, it's something that a four-year-old can do. And it's something that an 80-year-old can do. And to me, I love that space of you go out into nature and you communicate freely with creator, with God, vision, like whatever that is to you. You know, even if that is your spirit, even if it is you, communicating freely where you are at and what your life is and what you want and need, right? Right. And I feel like that almost childlike relationship mm -hmm. with, with God has like created this really soft relationship um, with something that was very hardened for me. 
by uh, my own experiences. So I, I don't know if that answered your question, but I loved all of it. Just to circle back. Yeah. You mentioned added responsibility made you want to kind of abandon yourself. When you were talking about devotion, I started thinking about this workshop that I used to do pre COVID Mm -hmm. called self devotion. And I said that this self discipline is being a disciple to yourself. And so it's turning in that devotion that you would have to something outside of yourself and turning it inwards and not making yourself as like a God figure and and the ego around that, but really just that gentle connection, that loving nature that you would have towards someone that would hold all this wisdom for you. Mm. It's all within us. And so it's turning that kind of love and devotion inwards. Yeah, a thousand percent. Okay, well, I'm conscious of the time and I know you have to get going. So I just want to say thank you so, so much for taking the time. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate that the work that you do because you are such a light and I'm really enjoying basking in it. Uh, Thank you so much. I love, I love... I love what you are offering and I don't know, uh, you resonated with me and, and I'm very happy to take the time and very excited to listen to this, uh, this episode on how you, uh, <laughs> <it> works. <laughs> okay, Avi. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye. Right, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Awake the Tribe podcast. If you would like to tell your own story, please connect with me on Instagram at Awake the Tribe or on my website, awakethetribe.com. You may also email me at rhoda, R-H-O-D-A, at awakethetribe.com.